these notes to take because I feel like, you know, everybody gets that word. You know, you see it. I don't know if you see people on social media posting, this is my word for the year and all that. And, and so, but, you know, I, I would say that the, when I began this year, I felt like the Lord was calling me to call people into a deeper place of discipleship this year. And that's going to be some things I'm focused on, not only for myself, uh, but for you. And this series that we're going to start today is called Unsinkable. It's a life that is that is unsinkable. And I, I thought of it and kind of trying to be a little catchy with it, but it's about four ships in your life that you need. And the series is going to be focusing on these. And the first one today, which is going to be called to discipleship. Next week is made for fellowship. The third week will be blessed through partnership. The final week will be strong in hardship. Those four ships play an, a, a huge role in your life. And if you're wanting a different thing this year and you want to see God moving you in a different way, I want to encourage you. Each week is going to build on the next. I want to encourage you to be a part. Would you join me in prayer as we open the word? Lord, we pray today. Open our hearts. And Lord, if there is someone here today with a, a need that is greater than they could ever imagine, I pray, God, let your word calm the heart. Calm the heart. Lord, let peace come. And I just feel like I want to continue to pray this. Lord, if, if God is just dealing with you about peace, maybe you've lost your peace. Lord, that you would touch. And God, you'd bring direction. And you'd bring guidance that comes through the word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. If you want to turn in your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5. And as you're turning there, I just want to get this thought into your mind. What would happen if every person, every believer, accepted that call to make disciples, to help people become followers of Christ? What if we committed ourselves to discipleship, find out really what it means to be a disciple? And so today we're going to focus on what is a disciple. Now, I'm just going to give you a short picture. There's much more in Scripture. But today I just want to give you a picture of discipleship. And I believe in Luke chapter 5, one of my favorite, favorite verses uh, of Scripture. And one of the reasons is because my dad gave me a book years ago when I first launched out into ministry. And this was the key verse of the whole book. But here, I don't believe God does anything by accident. I don't believe any story in Scripture is just by accident. I believe every part plays a part. And I want to begin reading in verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of, <clears throat> excuse me, Gennesaret, or the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the Word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen, who were washing their nets. He got into the one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked them to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked so hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, 
they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came, and both boats filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at his knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, which is, I believe, the call to all of us, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. You know, as we're thinking about what it, you know, I, I, what's gotten me just really thinking about what is a disciple is when I've just seen so much and I, you know, we've seen, and I, and I don't know if you've seen it, but you've seen the, probably, if, if you watch a lot of things, you've seen some of the people who had th certain thoughts about what was going to happen in our government and, and those things just didn't happen like they said. Or, or maybe you were focused on one area of something you thought was going to come to pass because some great evangelist or somebody else said something in it and it just didn't come to pass. And, and maybe your theology may be a little bit shaken this morning and maybe you found out it seems like a little unsolid for you of what's going on around. And it's why I believe there is such a need for discipleship. What is a disciple? What does it look like? You see, I believe right here in this story is a picture of every person of every generation who encounters Christ in the gospel. They're going to face this decision. Do I follow? Do I give it all? Do I give everything to follow Christ? Do I choose the life I live now? Or do I choose discipleship? And this story aligns, and you can see it. There are people who are watching. There are people who are standing on a hill. There are people who are kind of following from a distance. There's watchers and listeners. There's miracle chasers. There's some people who are just along for the miracle. There's shoreline experiences here. And then there's deep water. And I believe so many people are in those main categories. So many are standing on the, on the hillside just listening. Some people are just chasing after a miracle. Some, though, are going to get in the boat. And I believe Jesus does exactly here what he does with all of us. He entices us, just get in the boat. It's one of the reasons we pray here for the, when I pray and during my fast, and we talked about it on Wednesday night, that I am praying for the manifest presence of God. I want the presence of God when we come together. Because you see, when we come together and we sense and we know and we understand the presence of God, God will begin to draw our hearts. God will begin to touch lives and change lives. Because some people will see a miracle and be drawn to him. Some people will see other things and be drawn to him. Somebody may be even enticed to get into the boat. You see, Jesus didn't say, he didn't walk up to Peter and those guys and say, hey guys, um, you're going to die. Come follow me. That's not what he did. You see, God knows he can't deal with us like that. Hey, um, you're going to die, but come follow me. No, what did he do? He comes up, he's speaking amazing things, doing amazing things, and he comes up to these men and he says, hey, could you guys 
get in that boat right there? Could you just put off a little from shore so I can do a little more teaching? You see, they had no idea what he was setting their lives up for. They had no idea that he was about to call them into a life of discipleship, of being a disciple. You see, you weren't called just to be a member of a church, attend sometimes, not sometimes, watch online sometimes, don't watch online sometimes, give maybe, do it, do what we wanted to. You see, that's not the call to discipleship. The call to discipleship is a transformed life that is giving everything to Christ. In the Greek word, the word disciple normally referred to an adherent of a particular teacher or religious philosophical school. It was the task of the disciple to learn, study, and pass along the sayings of the teacher, of, of the master. So whoever they were following, that they were a disciple, they were to hear, study, and then say or live how the disciple, I mean, how the master told them to. So this morning, I've kind of come up with some of my own definitions. So don't go and say, man, pastor, that's not the definition. Okay, these are ones I wrote, right, for the purpose of this message. Discipleship, to me, is the process of taking off the old me and putting on Christ. You see, a disciple was taught, and if you look in Ephesians chapter 4, it tells us, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its evil desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You were called to do away with the old self. You've been taught to do away with the old self. It's how we take off the who we were and become everything that God desires for us to be. It's when my life stops looking like the sinful man that was saved and becomes looking like the righteous man who has been delivered by God, made righteous through the power of the Holy Spirit, and moved by the blood of Christ. And all throughout the New Testament, this is what you find. Take off the old, put on the new. When they left their, their businesses, they left their careers, they left those nets there, they were leaving their old life and taking on a new life. And he was always asking them, deeper, come deeper, come deeper. You know, years ago, the, back in the 90s, there became this, this little thing that would go around and, and People wanted to know the deep things, the, the hidden things in Scripture. And it was this move that, and, and man, people were trying to read everything into everything. And, and, I, and I remember one time I was listening to somebody who told the, the story of the Good Samaritan. And he said, you know, he, he, didn't, he obviously didn't think it all the way through, but he said that, that, that the Samaritan was really, Jesus was referring to Adam. And and, the, and not Adam, but the, Adam was the guy laying on the road. Samaritan was Jesus. He goes through this whole thing telling how Adam is the guy laying on the road. Samaritan is Jesus. And then he comes to the end and it says, the part where he went, hey, if I didn't give you enough when I was here, I'll come back and give you some more. <laughs> you know, it was like, hey, no, the blood was good enough. <laughs> he had gone through this whole thing and then you can tell he got there and he, he didn't know what to say. 
Sometimes we just need to read the face value of what it is and live that. You see, Jesus said, leave everything and follow me. Leave it all and follow me. Take off the old self and follow me. That is the call to discipleship. And if we're going to commit ourselves to what God is going to do in this generation, I believe God is calling the church to discipleship. Because why? Why do we need to know what a disciple is? Because when you know what a disciple is, you'll know what to do. You say you don't know what to do in this era. You don't know what to do at your job. You don't know what to do in your family. If you know that you're a disciple, you'll know what to do. Or you'll find out, what would a disciple do in this era? What would a disciple do in my generation? What would a disciple do in my nation? What would a disciple do in my marriage? What would a disciple do in my family? And so we're going to look at a few things that we should know what to do. Because Jesus said, this is what disciples do. And so I know that people are making New Year's resolutions. Some of you might have started one and you've already blown it. Yeah, I heard the laughter. <laughs> That's why I don't do them. Because I don't like to start my year off with failure. <laughs> I always like to start it off on a good note, you know? Maybe like, I'm not going to eat a donut today. <laughs> and then I make it. Well, victory. Now I can eat a donut for the rest of the year. But disciples are something. And Jesus told us what disciples were. Disciples are people of the word and prayer. In John chapter 8, verse 31, he said to the Jews who believed him, Jesus said this, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth that will set you free. It, it, when it says that, if you hold to my teaching, it's like the word there means steadfast. It also means to actually abide, to reside in his teaching, to live in his teaching. It's like scripture uses this Greek word also in other places to indicate somebody who is a guest that stays there. That that is what Jesus is inviting us all into when we are invited into discipleship. That we become people who abide in the truth. That we become people who reside in the truth. And, and, and this is something I want to encourage you. If you don't have one, start a reading plan. If you don't want to start a reading plan, follow along with us for the next 21 days or the next ever how many days we have left of the fast and every week every day a scripture that is posted online read along with us begin to ask God God what would you have you do begin to speak truth into your life you see that story I was cutting up about about the Samaritan you know the basically when I read that it's be merciful and do the right thing help people Man, what if we just took that part of the Samaritan story and just decided today, I'm going to be a disciple. I'm going to help somebody. I'm going to show mercy. I'm going to show kindness. I'm going to show, show uh, mercy to someone who's in trouble, who's absolutely blown it. Because I want to stay in the truth. This even goes even further that, that's, that says hold to my teaching. It means this to establish itself permanently within my soul and always exert its power on me. Man, when I start this year, 
man, what a, what a way to start the year. If I could start it with knowing that the truth of God's word is settled in me, is permanent within me, and it moves and affects every decision I make this year. We know that Jesus taught them to pray in Luke chapter 11. Here's how he said to pray for disciples. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Prayers of worship, prayers of giving, prayers of forgiveness, prayers of supply, and prayers of God, keep me out of trouble. Man, I wish a lot more people would pray that. I wish I would pray that. God, this year, just keep me out of trouble. We need to be people of prayer. Prayer is, 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 is your lifeline. It is something I teach all the time. If, you're, if, if somebody's going into ministry, say, Pastor, I feel like going into ministry. I'm, gonna, I'm going to stay in your prayer life. How are you praying? Are you praying? You better pray. Are you praying? Because prayer is your lifeline. Prayer and the truth is going to help us face anything that comes this year. No matter what seems unsettled right now, no matter what seems out of, out of bounds, no matter what seems crazy and nuts that's going on all around us, if I will abide in the truth of the Bible and I will abide in the place of prayer, I will have something to build my life through to understand what God is doing in this generation. Not only am I supposed to be a person of the word in prayer, as I take off the old self, as I begin to remove the old clothes, as I begin to remove the old me, we become people whose love is recognizable. Is our love recognizable? Do people recognize it in you? John 13, 34, 35 said this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must also love one another. By this, how do people know that we are disciples? By how we love one another. You say, well, good, we can love one another, but we don't have to love all the nuts going on in our nation right now. No, I think that kind of goes out of that, all right? You can't just love those you like. Too many of us want to just love who we like. We just want to love those that never slight us never cause us an offense, never say the wrong word to us at the wrong time, never, never do the right thing that we think that they should do. You see, we, we want to love those that we like, and we want to love those that look like us, sound like us, and do like us. But, we do, but is our love recognizable? Could Joe Biden recognize the love of the church? Could Kamala Harris recognize the love of the church? Could our government recognize the love that's within the church? Could they see who we are and say those people are disciples? Look how they love and love one another. I don't have to agree with everything to love. 
You see, we become so unsettled because we're trying to fix things through manual means. When was the last time, you know, these things that you see happening, have they driven you to prayer? Have they driven you to fasting? Have they driven you to more becoming like a disciple? Or have they caused you to be uh, so fixated on everything else that you've lost your ability to pray? You've lost your peace. You've lost all sense of comfort. You wonder where God is. God, what's going on? God is still on the throne. And he He's revealing himself to those that will trust him. I'm telling you, I vote pro-life. I will always vote pro-life. But God didn't tell me not just love pro-life people. God didn't tell me just to love those who agree with me. And when my politics cause me to get angry and fearful, I am looking a lot more like what I hate. And I'm not looking like Christ. We are to be people of love. Through every administration, I've tried to pray for every president, whether I grieved for them or not. Some of them, I said, God, save them, please. I prayed many, many nights for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who passed away this past year. I prayed. I don't know her salvation, but I pray that she, finds, I pray that she found Christ before she passed away. Now is not the time for anger. It is the time for love. You see, this is one thing I am confident in after watching 30 years of politics. Is that every form of government is going to let people down. Whether they are on the left or whether they are on the right, they're already fussing at each other about not going far enough for this and all this kind of stuff. It, it, people will grow disillusioned with government. And man, if they can see a place where there is the manifest presence of God, where there is people who love God, where there are people who will stand for truth when everything else seems unsure, when everything else seems to fall away, we are going to be a bright, shining light in a place full of darkness. Don't let fear control our attitudes our minds and our spirits become changed in him why because God's love is never going to disappoint them God's love will never disappoint and God's love working within us will show them that there's something different about us it's taking off the old self and as we go deeper into discipleship, and as more of the, the old self comes off and more of the new self comes on, we begin to even get deeper. And see, they, they didn't know that when they got out of that boat where they were headed. And this is where they were headed. And it's when a lot of people couldn't follow him. You see, we become people. Disciples are people who choose self-denial over self-indulgence. Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You see, it's not about self-indulgence. The cross is a symbol of death. A lot of them couldn't follow him from here. When he said, if you don't eat my body or drink my blood, you have no place with me. And so many could not follow him anymore because they didn't understand what he meant. And he was saying that I'm telling you to come follow me, but I'm asking you to come and die. Die to yourself. Die to your ways. Die to your wants. Die to your desires. 
grow to look like me, and even, if need be, give your life for me. You know, years ago, I, I was talking to a man, and he had recently uh, gotten in church, and, and he told me, he said, you know, I'm going to quit going to church because I can't tithe. And I said, don't do that. Don't do that. I said, why don't you, why don't you take the, the, the money that you're spending on cigarettes and just give that to God? They tell me, what I mean, the stuttering and all the things that happened at that moment. That's unhealthy for you. Just take, I believe you'll just take your cigarette money and you'll give that to God and quit that. Man, you're going to be better both ways around. Oh, well, no, I don't want to do that. I, I can't do that. God wouldn't ask me for that. You see, we, we want to choose self-indulgence. We want to do what we want, when we want, and we want God to be okay with all of it. We've lost the idea of self-denial. That scripture, you know, we talk about coming to Jesus is free, grace is free, all these things, that are, and we built this free mindset to everything. But, but salvation is also discipleship, and disciples deny themselves. You see, it's why we teach people, don't put the beer in your mouth. We got too many people that are destroyed by it. There's no need for it. It's destructive in our culture. And, and we teach here a total abstinence from those things. Why? Because I believe in self-denial. I want to help people get free. I will lead many more people to freedom by saying, just come and put it down than saying, hey, keep on indulging yourself. It's why we preach, don't, don't, don't smoke marijuana. Don't look at all these things. Don't look at pornography. Stay away from sexual immorality. Why? Because we want people to know the truth and the truth that sets them free. Disciples lead people to freedom. I want to be, I believe everyone can be free. The sexually immoral can be free. I believe the gospel is able to free everyone. But we don't want to deny ourselves. There may be some in just what I said right then who are cringing at what I'm saying. Well, I disagree with you, and that's fine. But it's time for us. Do we want God's power? Do we want God's presence? Or do we want to indulge ourselves with as much of the world as possible so that we can do what we want and still go to heaven? Is that the totality of discipleship? I don't think so. Discipleship it's moving from a come and see approach to Christianity to a come and follow approach to Christianity that results in a come and die approach to Christianity. My life. And I've defined it at the bottom of your notes and it comes as this. Discipleship is my life for God's glory. Everything. It means he gets my marriage. It means he gets my words. It means he gets my attitudes. It means that I don't get to come to church and get offended over every little thing everybody might say and somehow go in and not go in and get bothered by this one or that one and, and let all these little agitations know I am to die to myself. You see, discipleship, we think about discipleship as am I praying, am I reading? But discipleship is so much more than that. You say, well, this sounds scary. I don't know if I want to do this. This doesn't sound like any fun. I like discipleship. It's like I'm reading a good little discipleship book, and I'm getting smarter. But discipleship is the end of me. 
The, the, the goal of my discipleship is the end of me. It's the end of my pride. It is the end of me trying to fix things my way, do it my way, understand it my way, have everything that I want and all of the above, and then I get my ticket to heaven when he calls me out of here. No, I want to make the biggest impact in this world. I want to take as many people as possible with me, and whatever I've got to get out of the way, whatever I've got to push to the side, the goal of glorifying God with the life that he purchased is all that we need to be consumed with. What is it that consumes our thoughts? What is it consumes our purposes? And I know this is coming at you just kind of, you know, with this, with this, I can feel it in the room as I'm talking about this morning. But we needed to wrestle with what discipleship is. This generation needs disciples. Disciples do things, they worship. Disciples are worshipers. If you look at Scripture, disciples are worshipers. We reflect back the radiant glory of God. Not only are we worshipers, but we become servants. Ow! No! I want to stick at the worship. Feels a lot better. God, don't make me be a servant. Jesus said that his disciples... The greatest of them would be the least of them. The greatest of all would be the least of all. The one in the last place would actually be the one in the first place. The one that washed the feet. The one that served. The one that broke the bread. That's the life that he is calling us into. And this is the incredible journey of discipleship. Discipleship is the only way to live for a child of God. It is the wonderful way to live as a child of God. You see, when I am a worshiper and I am a servant, what happens is, is I start to become a witness. You know, when I first became a believer, I was so scared to tell anybody that I was a Christian. I was so scared to tell anybody, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those. And then, you know, I was going to a Pentecostal church, so that was even worse. Yeah, I'm, I'm not only one of those, I'm actually a little nuttier, too. But you know, we're supposed to kind of look strange to this world. They're supposed to think we're strange. Why? Because we live counter the culture. We don't look like it. We don't act like it. We don't get worried about what they get worried about. Don't, and, I, and, I've, and I've felt this as I've talked to people, don't let this election, whether you're on the right or on the left, unsettle your faith. Be at peace. And when you come in here, be at peace and rest. God is on the throne and he has a plan. And you're a part of it. You're a part of God's plan. But you have to accept the call to discipleship. You have to accept that, get out of the boat, follow me. I don't want to be content with just standing on the shore with Jesus. I don't want to be content with just getting in the boat and, and setting out a little bit from shore. I really hope Jesus is doing in my life what he did to Peter. Hey, hey just get in the boat with me. I tell you what. Let's push out a little bit farther. 
Won't you let down that net? You see, I believe when we do, we're going to see miracles. What happened with that boat? That boat, it became so full. It became so touched by the miracle power of God that the boat almost sank under the weight of the blessings of God, but they did not stay there. They didn't stay at the blessing and go, wow, that was great. You might remember back in your past when you saw the glory fall in a church service or maybe God touched your life in a powerful way. Maybe that time way back when you saw the miracle in your finances or the miracle in your marriage and we stand and we, we're not supposed to stay at the last miracle. We're supposed to say, Jesus, how can you call me deeper? How can you call me out farther? What can I do to give you the life that you purchased? What can you do to get the most glory out of me? I want to see a miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle so that my life becomes consumed with glorifying God. And that is the call to discipleships, to discipleship. What did he tell them? In Matthew chapter 28, he said, go into all the world and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be having a baptism service soon. And if you've not been baptized and you would like to have more questions about baptism, please fill out a connect card and place it in the bucket. I believe we should have some in the back. Uh, when you're leaving this morning, if, if one of the men could put one on a table. But in this place today, there's people on every level of discipleship. There's people who have just kind of kicked it from the side and kind of looked in. There's some people who've kind of gotten the miracle and stayed there. And there's others who said, God, I want to go deeper. I want to go farther. He's available to everyone. You may be far from him this morning. You may be watching this morning, and you may be far from him. You may not even know what a disciple is, but you're feeling that tugging in your heart. You're feeling that wrestling. Do I follow Jesus or don't I follow Jesus? And he's saying, come, follow me. Come, follow me. You see, the, the, the place that Paul said that the goal of the life, the, the thing that he had become was an ambassador of Christ. He said that he came to preach the message of reconciliation, that as, as God was making his appeal through him, be reconciled to God. If there is a word our generation needs, be reconciled to God. Come free when you understand the knowledge of the truth. Get free. Put off the old self. Find him in the new. I see, I, I'm, I'm still praying for a generation. I'm praying for a generation that'll raise up, that'll come from the youngest, that'll say, we're not going to want the way the world wants. We don't want what they have. We want something else. We're tired of the ways. We're tired of the sin. We're tired of the disillusionment. We're tired of the corruption. Uh, they want Jesus, and we are believing God. God, pour out your spirit on this generation, this young generation. Lord, raise up those that would say, God, nothing but you. But when they come, are they going to see the love of God? Are they going to feel the power of God? Are they going to sense the touch of God? Disciples say, not my will, Lord, but yours. 
Not what I want to do to please myself today, but Lord, I want you. I'm not going to get offended. I'm not going to get irritated. I'm not going to look at what's going on in my government and then, and then blast everything in the world. No, I'm going to glorify Jesus in every situation. You want to know what convicted me one night? I was laying in my bed and was in the middle of all this turmoil that we see. And I was just laying there wondering, God, what are you doing? What's going on? And this thought came to me. I'm not saying it was the Lord. It was just a thought. Sometimes he likes to speak like this. But I've got brothers and sisters in underground churches all over this world who are suffering for the gospel. And I'm not trying to say they're better Christians or I'm a worse Christian or whatever that, but, but we've got brothers and sisters that are suffering under totalitarian regimes and they still glorify him. They still give him everything. They still serve him. Today in Central America, Christian persecution is rising in our own hemisphere. But he's still saying, get out of the boat and follow me. I pray that our church makes it a goal this year to whatever climate we find ourselves in to be glorifiers of God. That we focus on the simple things, the truths that set us free to love God, to love each other, and to love a lost and dying world. And that's the deep water. That's the place. That's the sweet spot that I want to be in this year. I want to make a difference. I believe that this church can make a difference. I believe that every church in America that will be saying, God, use us, is going to make a difference. But we've got to accept the call. We've got to respond. Lord, will you use me? Father. God, over this church, Lord, any of those that may be watching online, and Lord, I know this was heavy this morning. God, I could feel it, Lord, as I was preaching it, Lord, that, that Lord, but discipleship should make us struggle within ourselves. Are we going to look like you? Lord, I want to look like you. God, I want to look like you. You know what? Before, I usually always pray first if anyone needs to receive Christ. But as I'm praying this morning, as I'm just every head bowed and every eye closed, would you be willing to confess that maybe you've not shown the world the love of God over the last few weeks? Nobody's looking around. Oh, anybody, why don't you have a private moment with the Lord? Would you just shoot up your hand and say, maybe I've not been showing the love of God? You can pull it back down real fast. I'm not trying to embarrass you. It's just a point of confession. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, my goodness. Hey, we've all done it. It's, it's easy to get caught up in. The media drives all this stuff. 